Guys, yeah, this is episode one, first episode of the podcast that is, as the time of recording, has no name. (laughs) (laughs) We'll probably have one in the future. You guys will know the name before we do. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll, you'll read it in the title before we're aware of it. (laughs) Um, So, uh, very brief introduction. Myself, my name's Adam. I'm the owner of Alliance Sydney Jiu-Jitsu with my wife, Black Belt under Fabio Gogel, the head coach of Alliance. And uh, sitting across from me is Special K. Special K, aka Kieran. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm I'm a I'm a white belt under Adam Childs from Alliance. Uh, I've been training jujitsu for what ten months now. I'm, yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, about to approach the the big one. I think you started um, right after the the first like sort of COVID outbreak, right? When yeah. for here in Sydney, when everything shut down. And then we reopened after that initial lockdown. That's when you started, right? Yeah, that was in September of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I have it in my calendar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when actually when when I first started training, I remember it was so – like it was a reference point of – of kind of how good someone was or, you know, you'd be rolling with someone and they, maybe you beat them or they beat you and you'd always ask each other like, oh, how long yeah. have you been training for? Yep. I remember I had it written down as well, like the, yeah. the date and the year that I started training. I mean, I, I can't remember what it, you know, over a decade ago now, but um, I remember I had it noted down as well. I was like, yeah. this is when I started training, you know, and then. It makes you feel better if you lose. Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> bit, you know, like you lose to something. Oh, I've been training for 18 months. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah cool, cool. I've only been training for six months, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm a big dog. Yeah, yeah. We do that in the in well, in well the white belt divisions. You probably did the same. Um, in competitions, like the the common thing on the podium uh, is to say, oh, how long have you been training? How long yeah, you been training? yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh, three months, four months. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such like a, a you know, a passive passive sort of big big dog maneuver. Yeah, it is, right? And then like especially if you're, oh, I've only been training for three months and the other dude's been training for two years and yeah. you smoked him or something. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly, man. You're like, oh, you're practically a blue belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, the ego is strong. Um, obviously, we're going to be, talking about jujitsu related topics um yeah so as as kieran briefly mentioned you know he's a white belt but um if you haven't met kieran in person he's a beast of a white belt <laughs> he's uh, also a, a fully fledged nutritionist ex-bodybuilder right mm, yeah. um so he's he's very fit and capable so uh, we're going to have a lot of banter between us oh yeah so let's get into it so today's episode we're going to be talking about a bit of COVID and training and maybe we can touch on because, you know, Adam, as he mentioned, is a gym owner. Maybe we can touch on how he sort of progressed the training to an online space and, and some pros and cons and how to get the most out of, of, of that training online. Yeah, because I think it's a, you know, the impact COVID has had on you know, everyone, but, mm. you know, on the jujitsu community and you know the business side of jiu-jitsu running a gym uh even just the the hobby side of jiu-jitsu being able to train jiu-jitsu it's going to be different where you are in the world right um if we go back you know at the time of this recording uh, maybe 18 months ago was when shit first started hitting the fan with COVID right um so countries like Australia and New Zealand pretty quickly closed borders and everything went into lockdown and uh so it impacted 
jujitsu heavily, you couldn't train at all. Other countries like the US, depending on the state you were in, they just had a whatever attitude. Yeah, it's a bit potluck, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, there were some states, you know, I think some more of the the southern states of the US, I could be wrong, but, um, you know, I know from other, being connected to other alliance affiliates around the world, there were some states in the US where despite the outrageous numbers and deaths, they were still open, you know, and people just didn't care. They just continued to train. Uh, so how it impacted jiu-jitsu and your ability to train and learn is going to really depend where you are in the world. But for us here in Australia, it has been really hard because Melbourne, for example, they had it really rough last year. They they were locked down. I think it was almost six months. So it was six months you couldn't train, yeah. right? Your gyms were closed. Uh, Sydney had a three-month one. Um, and since then, Melbourne's gone in and out of lockdown. Sydney's had a second lockdown as well. Um, so depending where you are, it's been really hard to continue to train. Yeah, yeah, that that does, particularly for someone like myself that's sort of, you know, effectively just starting, it... Um, it can be a challenge to maintain the rage because, but then again, like once you catch the jujitsu bug, it's, it's sort of yeah. becomes a bit of a lifestyle. It's, it's really weird, isn't it? Like yeah, it, it does for sure. Like I always say that to new people getting into jujitsu that uh, once you get bitten by the bug or you fall down the rabbit hole, yeah. like it becomes an addiction, like a healthy addiction, yeah. you know, uh, some people get into it for exercise, right? But then once you get into the sport of jiu-jitsu, you do it because you enjoy it. It just happens to also be a type of exercise. I mean, the analogy I always use is it's like surfing. Not many people go for a surf with the mentality, oh, I've got to go work out. Yeah. No, they go for a surf because it's a ton of fun mm. and it also happens to be exercise. And, you know, if you get bitten by the jiu-jitsu bug, it's the same thing, right? Like not often do you go to training thinking, oh, I've got to go to the gym and work out. You go because you love it and you have fun and it is also a type of exercise. Of course, if you're preparing for competitions or something, it becomes a bit more of a grind. Mm. But um, It's a means to an end, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, but going back to what you, what you just said, for sure definitely harder for newer people who just got into it and now it's been taken away from them. Mm. You know, there's we have some students that obviously you know because we both train in the same gym, but we have students newer than you who have gotten into it and then now it's just been taken away from them. Um, and from a business point of view, it's a fine line, right? Because you could lose those students. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, the jiu-jitsu culture can be a little bit toxic sometimes and uh, I don't want to say there's not rapport and everything built between instructor or gym owner and students, but there is, but the bottom line, like it is a, it is a business, right? Yeah. So in terms of trying to keep your doors open, it sucks to lose those students as, uh, as students because of the friendships you might have built, but also as customers, right, yeah. to help you pay your bills and so it's a dangerous time to have students who have just been bitten by the bug so to speak and then you have to close and reopen and maybe they don't come back right um so little off topic of what we're trying to talk about but um it is definitely hard for people who are trying to stay connected with jujitsu and that's why now we only have to 
learn online is yeah. kind of the only option we have at the moment during lockdown. I suppose that's a good segue into learning online. Jiu-jitsu is a sport that requires a partner. It's like as, yeah. as uh, you know, unfortunately – most of what you do in jiu-jitsu, unless you're doing some solo drills or or you're going through some basics, if you're trying to drill something or you're trying to roll, you know, you need someone else. So in in terms of learning online, in your experience as a black belt in jiu-jitsu, have you done like, say for example, you could train. Mm. How much of your training would be or how much of your study, I should say, would be using an online resource like a instructional or an online platform or uh, watching matches? Yeah, I mean, I think firstly watching matches is always good because it's just more exposure to the sport, right? You can learn a lot from watching. Also, if you find it entertaining, why not watch jiu-jitsu matches? Like, you know, there's plenty of people who watch particular sports that they don't even participate in. You know, plenty of people watch football games and they don't play football or UFC or UFC or whatever. Right. So if you enjoy watching the sport of jujitsu, I mean, watch matches, it's not going to be harmful to your jujitsu at all. Uh, In terms of, let's say I could train and even not being a black belt, right. Being my current situation is a little bit different. Like, yeah, I'm a black belt and I'm a gym owner. uh, So I do do a lot of online study but it's like self-study you know I don't have yeah I still have direct contact with Fabio but I'm not in the gym with him every day anymore Uh, you know I used to be in the gym every day with Fabio Michael Lange Bernard Faria you know all these guys who I could learn from on a daily basis I don't have that anymore so a lot of my study is self-study so it's online watching other athletes compete watching other instructionals it's on the mat you know, drilling with a partner, brainstorming, trying to solve the, the problem of jujitsu. When I was a lower belt, when I was a blue and purple belt and people used to ask me, you know, or send me links to videos or instructionals to watch, I, w- I would never watch them, you know. I, I was so inundated with so much information just in the gym training anyway right? Like I didn't need to watch all these videos. Like I was, I trained twice a day, every day, you know, every class was new, different techniques. I mean, I was, I was learning or being shown six to 10 different techniques every day from current black belt world champions. Like I didn't need any more information. I was already getting more information than I could process anyway. Right. Um, So I think if we take, if we ignore lockdown for a second, how much learning should be done online? Well, I think if you're training at a good gym, you should be getting enough information directly from that, you know, in, from your instructor anyway. Like, let's say for example, okay, like one of, you could arguably the the top best gym in Australia at the moment is is run by Lachlan and Livia Giles, right? Absolute mm-hmm. MMA uh, in St Kilda, yep. I believe. Yep. Um, you know, uh, for those who aren't aware of Lachlan. Shame on you, right? <laughs> but um, Lachlan where is a mean. yeah, yeah. Where have you been? Lachlan's a mega superstar, like coach to Craig Jones as well. Um, absolute legend, and in the sport on his own, let alone in Australia, he's yeah. definitely like one of the top names, you know, up there. But you know, if you trained at Lachlan's gym, like Lachlan has 
heaps of instructionals out that you can go and buy and learn from. But like if you were a student at Lachlan's gym, would you then go buy a, I don't know, like an Andre Galvao instructional? Like, man, like you've got a guy who is going to be on a daily basis giving you way more information than you can pro- process anyway. Yeah. Right? So I think if if you ignore lockdown and your gym's open and you train at a gym that does a good job, right, like you shouldn't need all this extra online content. Don't get me wrong, it's great, right, especially if there's something specific you want and because – no one person knows everything. Mm. Even Lockie, for example, right? Like incredibly talented uh, in the gi. No gi is what he's most famous for, leg entanglements and all that sort of stuff. You know, could you learn some spider guard or deep half guard or whatever from Lachlan? Yeah, of course you could, but like is it his specialty? No. And, you know, and it would be ignorant of him to think that he can teach a, a you know, deep half guard better than Bernardo Faria or something like that. So, of course, if there's something specific you want, you can go down that that route, but it's going to depend on how experienced you are, right? Are you a, if you're a white belt, I don't think it's that necessary, right? If you're a purple or brown, you know, maybe you might be wanting to learn a bit more something specific that your own instructor isn't, you know, that's not his specialty. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you think this is relevant for someone? Say, say for example, you're a white belt and you train two to three times per week. Do you think supplementing the time that maybe you can't get to training for whatever reason, life or, or insert, insert reason here, do you think that supplementing some of the classes you may have quote unquote missed with online training is, uh, not as good, but better than doing not doing it. Better than doing nothing. Yeah, better than doing nothing. Yeah, I mean for sure. I think the the pitfall that that some white belts have is they almost use the the online learning or they use YouTube as a you know they're kind of just looking for that that one technique or they're, mm. they're looking for that almost that that pay to win option, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so I think any, any instructor I'm sure has been through this where they have students come in, oh, hey, I saw this technique on YouTube or on Instagram. What do you think, you know. So it, it's a dangerous route for white belts to go down. If you had some support in terms of what online content you were digesting – then yeah, for sure. Like if you can only train two, three times a week because of life, right? But then you've got time to watch some videos and stuff throughout the week, for sure. But I think it needs to be the appropriate thing, you know? Um, online, not just jujitsu content, but just online stuff is super clickbaity. And particularly if you look at like Instagram techniques for jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, it's all about likes, right? Yeah. Like if I so if it looks I flashy. Exactly. So if I if I post a video, uh, Instagram video of me doing a, you know, a cross collar choke from clothes guard, right? Or a scissor sweep, right? Maybe not gonna get that many likes and shares and comments. Like it's not yeah, it's not flashy. But you post some flying bearing bolo <laughs> backward upside down armbar. Yeah. Barato Plata thing, you know, <laughs> looks awesome and people yeah. go, oh, wow, check that out. And I'm not saying that it's doesn't new. work, it's, it's cool. yeah. but I mean, it's all about the likes, right? Yeah. That, that So I suppose a, a big part of that message is where you're getting your 
information or where you're getting your content is really important. Yeah, for so, sure. Like I often, you know, when when white belts ask me, oh, I saw this online. What do you think? They try show me the move. They can't the technique. They can't remember how to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, let me find it on my phone or whatever. I often just ask them. Who's it from? Yeah. You know, and if it's a credible source, I go, yeah, it's good to go. So someone asks me, yeah, I saw this. It's from, you know, Keenan, you know, Keenan Cornelius. I'm like, yeah, man, dude's legit. Cool. Oh, I saw it on like, you know. BJJ cool guy number five. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, (laughs) well, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe it works. I need to see it, right? But I often just ask where's the source. But yeah, you know, like I, I just said, I think people go, particularly white belts, just they're looking for that you know, that one move that's going to make them better on the mats mm. or whatever. And I mean, it's just not the reality of the sport. It's so, so diverse and complicated. And, you know, your opponent only needs to change like one grip or one movement or whatever. And that specific technique may not work, mm. right? Um, if you're looking for some golden ticket, I would maybe lean towards like concepts opposed to, actual techniques right because right. the concept of you know uh positional fighting or like un- understanding you know let's say leg locks for example you know you need to understand the importance of keeping the knee line and things like that opposed to learning all the million different intricacies you know of a particular technique and that's the other problem with with online techniques as well for when you look at in an instructional opposed to how you learn in the in the class when you learn in the class and if you're teaching lower belts like white belts you don't want to overwhelm them with information you know because people can't take in that much information i'm not going to pretend i i know how the brain works right but (laughs) but i know it's something like you can take in you know three to five pieces of information or something like at a time when it when you're learning something new so when you're teaching a a white belt a new technique or anyone for that matter a new technique you give a few details of the technique and and that's enough for them to go and drill and practice the technique and then as time goes on and you know there's another class a few weeks or months down the track that technique comes up again you know there's going to be extra details yeah but with yeah. instructionals, it's supposed to be this, this tool where I'm going to teach you every possible thing you need to know about this technique, which is great, right? But it's often for a white belt who can't sift through, you know, some of the, the information or, or what I, I guess I'm trying to say, for someone who every detail they're giving is a new piece of information, right? It's too much. Like they're learning a technique and they've got to try remember these hundred details. If you're a bit more advanced, like myself, for example, like if I'm, I watched uh, some details of a really cool instructional from from Mikey Musumeshi um, not that long ago. Like a lot of the information he's giving is already knowledge that I have. So when he gets to those key little details, like they're the chunks that I can take. But for someone less experienced, every new. word yeah. he's saying is new. It's too much, man, yeah. to yeah. take in. So, so in that case, if you were going to study off an instructional, would you say that it would be better to select one that you're interested in, maybe select one that your your coach, your mentor, your professor has put you onto of a credible source, all that, watch it through, pick one or two things to start implementing, and then as you progress and as you run into problems, 
reference back to the instructional. So instead of watching like, you know, 10, just just stick to the one. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you need to, it being a physical sport, you can't just do all this theory study mm. and then expect that you're instantly going to be able to to pass the pass, right? The practical part of the test, if you mm. will, right? You know, you can't just read a bunch of cookbooks and then think you're going to be an expert at making whatever dish without actually practicing making the dish, right? So it's a similar sort of thing. I'll use you as an example, right? <laughs> Here we go. So um, This will be edited out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kieran has has become quite the natural at getting triangled, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But it's it's not any fault of his own. It's just part of the learning process, right? So at the moment, um, you know, Kieran is working a lot on – on really on pressure passing. Uh, so that's, you know, double unders, over unders, right? This really sort of imposing passing style, staple passing, all that. Uh, but as a result, it's at the moment, it's leaving him open to a, lo- to a lot of triangles, right? So it's something where we'll add a detail to Kieran's passing, right? And he makes it one step further, but then his opponent brings another line of defense and then he ends up back in the triangle and then we address that. And so we're constantly, in this case, you know, uh, you know, like I'm the instructional, right? This isn't an instructional Kieran's following. It's just a back and forth between him and I as, as a instructor and a student. And, and every day it's getting better. And every day, like he's getting less and less triangled, getting, you know, passing more often or getting, you know, against some of his training partners who were really relentless with their their triangle and the platter attacks. Jonas. Jonas, right? <laughs> you know, getting, you know, maybe not passing in but also not getting triangled or going from getting triangled five times in one role to only getting triangled one time. Because sometimes as well, like, it's not like the the student, in this case yourself or the person watching an instructional or whatever, has forgotten the particular detail, but they just haven't developed the sensitivity or the reflex or the muscle memory to do it when when it's actually happening. Yeah. Right. It's not, you know, it's not only the theory. People refer in Brazil it Jiu-Jitsu is often referred to as a physical game of chess. Mm. But I go, what's well, more than that? It's, imagine playing chess, but when you move your piece, your opponent could go, no, and yep. move it back, right? <laughs> like, that's what it's like. It's one thing to know, you know, but then when you try to implement it against someone who's trying not to let you, you could use look at striking for as an example, you know. If boxing was as easy as it is to hit a bag or to hit focus mitts, right, pretty easy yeah but when you're trying to punch someone in the head Mm. who's not letting you punch them while they're simultaneously trying to punch you it's harder than you think right yeah it changes the game completely yeah and jujitsu is a million times more dynamic i'm not trying to take anything away from strikers you know but it's a different different conversation yeah Yeah. (laughs) 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 not trying to shit on strikers but we're shitting on strikers yeah i mean what do you as you know let me just flip that question then for a second. Like, how do you feel as as a white belt who's exposed to a huge amount of content, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you yourself, like, train your – you train five, six days a week and a lot of those days it's twice a day. Mm. I'm talking about just jujitsu. You, you know, I know you do your other training as well, like yeah. strength training or whatever. Yeah. But just in terms of mat time, you know, you train – 
pretty much five, six days a week, once or twice a day on yeah. those days. Um, do you feel the need that you need to go elsewhere online instructionals oh, to get more information? So I have so many instructionals to watch. Like I've gotten probably like, oh man, I don't even want to publicly admit how many, but it's, you know, in the region of about 10. <laughs> and I've gone through two or three of them. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of information. Yeah. Now, just to piggyback off something that you said before, you said that when you're teaching white belts, you mentioned, you know, a few details, you try and keep it simplified and then maybe, you know, fast forward a few few weeks, a few months, the same technique comes up again. From my position, I learn something the first time, obviously when you teach it and I take away maybe one or two details. If it's something that particularly resonates with me, I try to implement it in my rolling, in my live rolling. Yeah. And then I see that technique again and all of a sudden the light bulb will go up like, oh, that's why I've, I have been screwing that technique up. A prime example, the one that I've it just... it might have been a detail that you were taught but forgot, right? Oh, 100%. It's a detail that yeah. I was taught but forgot. Um, so, for example, hip bump passing. I've been trying to do that movement, that... that oh, sorry, sweep, hip bump sweep. I've been yeah. trying to do that sweep for so long and I just could not figure out why it would work for me. And I was doing something fundamentally completely counterintuitive to the to the movement and it was only until i saw it like taught twice or three times or something like that that i that it clicked for me and now it's 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 changed the game for me but it was almost like i needed to go away and practice that movement or or whatever insert any other technique here practice it and then see it taught again so like you were mentioning i could not sift through i'm not going to imply that i'm a black belt but like almost it's like confirmation for me. Like, yep, I understand that. Yep, I remember that. Yep, oh, okay, that's yeah, different. That's yeah. what I've been screwing yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, when 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 it's all new, yeah. it's too much information, right? Like yeah. you can't... 100%. You, you, can, you can't take in... The, and we're talking the, about one technique here. If you, in an instructional, sometimes oh they go through so like 10 many. techniques and they're different so variations. Many. Or if you're watching a Danaher one, it's like four or five hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your yeah. favorite your favorite man alive. Don't get me wrong. I, uh, you know, John Danaher is a mastermind. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Like you have – you either can stomach his instructionals or you can't. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I've actually said this a, a lot that I would love to – I, I wish I had the opportunity to to take one of of, of Danaher's just regular classes yeah. because surely, surely he can't teach a regular class with the same hours of blah mm. because mm. <laughs> where's the time to do jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah. If it's a one-hour, two-hour class or whatever. I would like to just do one of his classes to see if it's a little bit more concise, like whatever technique, you know, some details and then, you know, then off you go. And is it just the fact that the instructionals are trying to give every single detail? I think that's, that that's it. why yeah. I don't enjoy them. Yeah. Add on top of that that he's a philosopher and talks a lot with like a philosopher does. Yeah. It's um a bit hard to digest. But yeah. if if you can stomach a man, dude's a genius. Yeah. Yeah. It's he he is quite an inspiration, particularly for someone, you know, of my level. Like uh I mean these days most a lot of people and I, I've noticed that you've taken a page out of his book, your fashion sense, you wear your rashy <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> no, he's talking shit. Don't, don't, don't trust him. Yeah, but Dan, Danaher's definitely a um, – he, he's on another plane, if you will, another level, another yeah, thought pattern. Yeah, 
So I think um, just circling back to the whole COVID lockdown and and the state of affairs, if you will, in jujitsu, which yeah. led us down to a, a bit of online online learning um, competitions. So for someone like myself who I'm trying to compete pretty much as much as I can in the Sydney scene or just in jiu-jitsu in general. Yeah. But at the moment, no one's competing in Sydney or really no one's competing in, in New South Wales or Victoria at the moment. Yeah. And it's been like that for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, um, you just reminded me something that I, that I skipped over before. Yeah, like at the moment, if you can't train at mm. all, right, because what Kieran's just mentioned – not having the ability to, to compete due to lockdown um, is definitely going to hamper your progression. Uh, but before mentioning that, like if you can't train at all because you're locked down, and like I said at the, the, the start of the episode, depends where you are in the world, places in the US didn't even lock down at all, whereas we did here, um, then it's really tough, right? Mm. If you're not allowed to leave your home, you don't have a partner, like what do you do? Yeah, yeah. I mean – that's tough, right? You can do – you're going to watch instructionals. You're going to watch YouTube. You're going to re-reference your notes, right? If you take notes after sure. class, you should <laughs> take notes after class, right? Um, man, it's going to be hard, right? Mm. And But there's still potential to learn, especially if, if you've got a gym who's providing some level of online content. Like, um, like what we're doing for our students at the moment is – we're doing Zoom classes like a lot of gyms are. Um, they're not super jujitsu focused, um, you know, but we do Zoom classes so we can still interact, talk about jujitsu, stay fit. Uh, we're posting online videos, content, right? So there's still opportunities to learn, but it's definitely, I mean, it's like, how do you play? If you're locked down, how do you play tennis? Yeah. Like, it's like, man, you need a partner. You need, it's, it's really, really hard. Uh, Pete? If that sucks. I think competing is incredibly important in your progression for jiu-jitsu. I don't think you need to be a competitor. Like you might not you might be someone who doesn't like competing and doesn't want to be a competitor, that's fine. But I think if you're committed to progressing in jiu-jitsu, you you should compete every now and again. I think not competing it's no different to let's say if you were part of a, a rugby team or a football team and you just went to training but you actually never played a game, right? Or, yeah, or tennis again. If you only ever did like tennis drills with a, with a coach but you never actually like played a match of tennis, right? Like, I mean, you need to compete every now and again. And let's say you might say, oh, but no, I got into jiu-jitsu, you know, not for the sport, for the self-defense. Okay, well then even better reason to compete. If you got into the sport, if you got into jujitsu for the self-defense side of things and you can't handle the stress of a competition when you're in a controlled environment, you can't handle the stress of the confrontation, the, the adrenaline of competing in jujitsu. And if you can't handle that, how the hell are you going to handle the stress of if you got in... It if you real. needed, yeah, if yeah. it was real and you needed to use it for, um, for self-defense. Um, so I think it's incredibly important. It sucks that it's taken away from us, you know, with lockdown. Even when, you know, like I said before, particularly Sydney and Melbourne have gone in and out of lockdown. 
being like the bigger, more populated cities in Australia, we've gone in and out of lockdown, those two cities. Um, so there were times when Melbourne was in lockdown yeah. and Victoria itself had no competitions, but life was normal in Sydney. We yeah. were training, competing, we were competing yeah. right? And then recently it was the opposite. There were still some competitions in Victoria while New South Wales or mainly metropolitan Sydney was all shut down. Mm. Um, but even when nowhere was in lockdown, IBJJF competitions, for example, none are happening mm. in, in in Australia due to the difficulties with quarantining when you arrive uh, from overseas. You know, you can see... You're talking about the big ones, like the Well, yeah, I mean, the, you know, like the Pan Packs, yeah. the Sydney Open, the Melbourne Open, right? Like, they've all been canned. Um, and, you know, so... If you're, if you're trying to make it onto that international scene as a competitor, you don't even have that, that platform, right? Like in your case, okay, you're a white belt, you're wanting to compete just to progress, yeah. right? It's, which, is, like I said, I think is super important. But if you're like, let's say, for example, you know, you're wanting to go compete in the world as a black belt. Let's say me, for example, if mm. I wanted to go fight the world as a black belt, you need to score points, right? You need to accumulate points to qualify to fight the worlds as, as a black belt. And you make those points by ranking in IBJJF competitions. So That's where the different like leveled competitions come in. Like what do they refer to them as stars? Different stars. Yeah, events? so they have yeah, they have a a, a way to accumulate yeah. your your points. But um but what I'm trying to say is imagine if it was me, A, I don't have any IBJJF competitions in Australia at the moment, so you wouldn't be able to rank. And B, like even, even if money wasn't an issue and I was like, oh, cool, I'll just go do the IBJJF competitions in the US, like, how well, then, there, how, yeah. yeah, how am I getting there? How am I getting back, right? And then quarantining, like, you know. So it's kind of taken that off the table for pretty much most Australian competitors right so it's affecting the jiu-jitsu scene in australia a lot not just like the domestic scene like i just mean australia in terms of you know high level australian competitors right yeah, who, who typically compete internationally at the euros at the pans at the worlds that's all been compromised because now they don't have the ease of traveling like they usually do and it's not like they can just go oh yeah cool i'll just get a permanent visa for the US and live there. It's not it's not that easy, yeah, right? Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I suppose with like the competition scene the way it is because of COVID, do you see this affecting the popularity of jiu-jitsu or or maybe the progression of the Australian scene? And and not so much like obviously it's a given that unfortunately it's going to be affecting the higher levels, but just bring it back down to to context of like a lower belt, like a uh, you know your white belts, your blue belts. How do you think not being able to compete is going to affect progression at a at a micro level for individuals? I mean, I don't think it's really gonna. I don't think it's really gonna change it at all. Mm. You know, like the sport is just growing so much, right? That it's not like interest in the sport is going to die out. I don't yeah, think. It's I not mean, really look, connected to competition, is it? I mean, it is like the, in terms of the, the entertainment factor, right? Um, but I don't think on the micro level, like, you know, you let's say you as an individual, how much is it going to affect your progression not being able 
to compete over the next six months or something. I mean, I don't know. It might slow down your progress a little bit, mm. but you know, I think it's not depend being able to train is affecting it more. Not being able to train affects it <laughs> <laughs> massively. I mean, look, someone such like yourself who competes a lot, mm. you're going to feel it more, you know, because the progress you make by typically competing almost once a month, right, is huge. But now that that's taken away from you, you know, the fact that you miss over six months, six competitions, you're going to feel that more than the the student who competes maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I guess in that regard, you know, if you consider that the micro level, mm. it's going to be a bit of an impact. But in the grand scheme of things, as the years go by, that's not going to matter. Yeah. You know, we, we when we're saying how it's really common between white belts to be like, oh, how long have you been training? Yeah. Oh, six months. Oh, three months, right? Well, yeah, because at the moment your white belt's, you know, three months, six months, it's a big percentage of the amount of time you've been training. Yeah. But once you're higher up, not even black belt, like you could be a blue, purple, brown belt, whatever. If someone's been training six months longer than you, you know, percentage-wise of the years that you've been training, it's so insignificant. So as time goes on, the fact that you missed the six comps, yeah. right, it's going to become irrelevant. But at the moment, I guess it, it's, it impacts your progression. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, are you a bit cut up about not being able to compete? Uh, yeah, look, honestly, it, it is a bit disappointing. But in saying that, at the moment, say, for example, tomorrow and all of a sudden all the competitions Australia-wide just opened up again. Well, because I haven't been in training consistently due to, you know, restrictions, lockdown, I don't know if, if anyone would, one, if anyone would actually show up and two, if I would be, you know, prepared. Because there is an element of fitness, like cardio. Obviously, yeah, yeah. you can you could do um, stair sprints. You can do, um, you know, sprints, runs, jogs. But it's just not the same. It's not is the it? same. No, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like comparing running for cardio versus swimming. Anyone that's into yeah. swimming would know, or yeah, has super different, way different, different level of fitness. And jujitsu is different again. It's um, you really need to do hard rolls to get fit for jujitsu yeah and it's yeah. something that you mentioned all the time is your timing if you haven't you know be training you can miss even a few days or like a week of training and then all of a sudden your timing is a little bit off you're missing opportunities um you know you're not going to lose like all your fitness in a week but you're going to miss like a little bit yeah of you definitely move you definitely like it's so unfair how quick you you lose you know that edge like you, yeah that edge mm. is the perfect way to put it mm. you know so yeah you might not lose that that fitness although a week off you do feel it mm. you know but yeah you lose just you know that sort of pinpoint accuracy of your of your timing and the way you're able to flow and connect your techniques right you lose that quite quickly um so that's why if I'm competing I train I only take a couple of rest days you know I think like half a week, you know, so like maybe four days out from the competition, I'll take one or two rest days, but then I train the days leading up to the competition because I want to be switched on. Yeah. You know, I find if I have one, even just one or two days off, you know, my, my timing starts to switch off a little bit. Um, so having now how much time off through lockdown or whatever, definitely feel your timing or, you know, I'm not sure for anyone who's come back from an injury, you know, let's take, ignore COVID for a second, pre-lockdown and all that. Maybe you had time off due to an injury or something or time off, maybe not an injury, let's say a 
you know, work was slamming you or something, you know, and you come back and you'll be mid-roll or something and you see the pass or the sweep or the submission. But it's almost like, you know, the brain attempts to send that single signal <laughs> to the body to do whatever movement and your body just goes, ah, too late. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit sluggish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I can, like when I competed on the injured ankle, I definitely felt that. I mean, I only, only did two matches, but um, it might've been just a mental barrier for me at that time. But yeah, I totally, totally get what you mean. Yeah. I miss seeing you compete, bro. I, you, you know, <laughs> I, um, Superstar. <laughs> yeah, superstar in the making. We've yeah. got um, a good bunch of little little white belts. You, Samir, Toby, yeah. we've got like a... Strong. Yeah, a, a, a good bunch of, of competitors. And, you know, we were just getting into a, a rhythm and then this this second, uh, the mainly the Delta variant of COVID that's sweeping through Australia at the moment. Uh, for those unaware, our vaccine rollout has been atrocious <laughs> in Australia. So uh, hence the huge amount of cases and, and in and out of lockdown over and over again. I, I'm a bit over it. Like yeah. me as, as, a, as a black belt who's trained for, for years and, and owns a gym and like I still love the sport. So I'm, I've, you know, okay, maybe the, the bug bite isn't as fresh as it is for you or, or for some lower belts, but I still have jujitsu <laughs> cravings. I'm still mm. addicted to the sport. I remember after the first lockdown and when I went back, once the gym was allowed to open again, man, I like trained in every class. Mm. Like I don't typically do that because it's exhausting to think that I'm going to teach and train in the 7am class and then teach and train at the lunch class and teach and train at, at, in the evening classes every day. Like, you know, you can't, right? I mean, I train every day, but I don't train in every class. But I remember I trained in every class once we reopened because I was just, I was frothing. I was missing it, you know? So, so I was again. training in the 7 a.m. class and training again at lunch. And, you know, mid-roll, I was sort of like catching myself being like, oh, I'm having so much fun, you know? Because like, <laughs> I, I love jujitsu. Like as much as, you know, I compete and it's serious and it's my job, like I enjoy rolling. Like, I mean... Not even rolling, not only rolling. I enjoy the, the learning technique and drilling technique as well. And But, you know, so I'm the same as everyone else. Like I'm dying to to be back on the mats every day, like to be back to some normality. I want to see IBJJF competitions uh, come back. Um, I want to see the, the up-and-coming and current – Australian uh, high-level competitors having the the ability to to travel and compete again, you know, like we it was really unfortunate when COVID first happened. It was right as um, you know, right as Levi Levi Jones Leary, you know, uh, one of the top Australian black belts out of Unity. It was right as he was man, like on track to to become Australia's first black belt world champion yeah. you know and um and then this just put a spanner in the works for him and a bunch of other competitors so you know me as a as just a student of jiu-jitsu and a fan of jiu-jitsu i can't wait for things to get back to normal i want to see him competing i want to see Lockie and craig at adcc again you know can't wait man i mean like everyone else over it super keen yeah super frothing yeah Hopefully, uh, well, even in Sydney, hopefully we get back to training in the next, you know, few weeks from when this is recorded uh, and maybe 
by the time it's released, we're we're already training. We're on the mats. Yeah, by the time people are listening to this, it hopefully is. We I mean, hopefully, like still relevant for, for yeah. <laughs> as an episode, but at least the part where we're not able to train is is, is no longer relevant. I've got um. My my family is in Byron Bay, right? Mm. Is where is where I grew up. It's where my mum and dad still live, and they're not in lockdown, right? Oh. So like, even 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 my wife was like, oh, maybe we maybe we go up to Byron and take Atlas, our son, up there, you know, because my mum and dad have got a nice property with horses and a swimming pool and and everything like that. It's really nice for a two year old to be running around. But I was like, maybe go up there. I can train, you know, because <laughs> the gyms and everything are open up there, yeah. you know, like mm. not here. Yeah. Well, I think um, that's not to leave it on a somber note, but, <laughs> but <laughs> by the time, uh, obviously by the time this releases, hopefully we're back on the mats back Yeah, so then, you, so then it's not going to be a somber note. You guys yeah, exactly. will be like, oh, yeah, they, they weren't training, but they are now, so yeah. it's all good. <laughs> It's like a, a fairy tale ending to this this story. <laughs> but no, that was um that was good. Just talking about the I, sp- I suppose the current state of affairs with COVID, um what competition means for lower belts and even what competition means for Australian in the Australia in the in the world stage. Yeah. And um yeah, I, I think it was really good to get your insight on um on online training and particularly for, you know, lower belts and, yeah, I mean, and, and I how think, to use that. I think in the future we could dive into that a bit more yes. there's a huge yeah we're i mean definitely could going talk to. a lot about online instructionals mm-hmm. and the amount of online learning platforms and tools and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing i know. think he's dropping hints here that's a, <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole nother conversation yeah yeah definitely coming soon but uh for for all those listening if you if you stuck around for this long uh thanks so much for listening to the Thank very you. first episode. Yeah, number one in the books. Number one, uh, stay tuned. So if you're interested in all things jujitsu, um, feel free to follow us on whatever platform you are on and uh, make sure to share this podcast with your friends because it does help to uh, support the podcast and, and help us grow. Yeah, Adam and Kieran, only fans. All right, guys. Only fans coming soon. Yeah. yeah. Right, thanks Peace for out. listening. Bye. Thank you.